0: This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald.
1: I'm Ramia Amithan, and this is Kelly and Ramia.
2: Did you know that everyone has rights? No matter who we are, we all qualify. But what happens when freedoms collide? The answers are rarely simple, but always interesting. Join me, Danielle McLaughlin, to talk about civil liberties and human rights on Know Your Rights there's no way i was getting in trouble even putting that
0: word anywhere near the (laughs) sentence not with the person that swims in the lake that is woes on her her trike her walks all the time says Kelly Kelly. sitting here as hosting the show right there's no way
2: (laughs) (laughs) i gotta tell you I'm old. That's <laughs> okay. I don't mind because I happen to know what the alternative is, and I'm quite happy to be old.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we we know that mostly what I was getting at is the faithful. You've been very faithful to this show since the very beginning, always bringing stand-up stuff, and we appreciate it, Danielle. Unfortunately, Danielle, there's some of the things, some of the questions, some of the topics you bring that make us kind of don't know or, well, what do I think of that? I... I yeah. That's disturbing. I don't know. And uh, right now is a very disturbing time around our world.
2: Yeah, it's it's a very, very difficult time. You know, there are wars happening around the world and there are deep political divisions in our own country as well. Um, and we have to ask, can we talk about what's happening without making things even worse? Yeah, so...
1: Yeah. The you reason know, why this is so interesting because it's kind of a follow up to what happened on Know Your Rights. Was it last week or a couple of weeks ago? Oh, it, I guess several was weeks was ago. Wow. Week. Yeah, it was a week. Yeah, okay. Uh, that's right. Yeah. Where you had a planned uh, debate or a planned disagreement, you know, and it was very respectful and you um kind of portrayed how things could be dealt with if this is how debates were conducted, you know, reasonably not the case well, all the time
2: that's right and and what i you know what you're referring to is when, when my uh, dear friend noah Mendelssohn mm-hmm. aviv from the canadian civil liberties association and i knew that we disagreed on the uh, a particular topic and that had to do with freedom of expression with regard specifically to uh, jordan peterson and the way that the courts had uh, made a determination about limiting his his expression that it was okay for the um uh college of psychologists to do that. Noah did not like that idea. I I'm you know I, I thought more about it and wasn't quite sure that was the wrong decision. But we did have a rather deep discussion and that's because we know that there are two things that we can trust. One is our friendship. Um we you know and the other is truth. So we're not arguing about the facts. We agree mm. on the facts. We know what the facts are, but we know that our points of view differ very widely. And in order to have a respectful discussion, there are a few ground rules. And she and I have been disagreeing for so many years. In fact, while we were working together in the same office, we would, you know, come into one another's office and say, okay, what are we going to argue about <laughs> today? I love that. <laughs> you knew how to do because it right. We, yeah well you know and i think that this is something that people need to learn how to do because it seems to me that we have a kind of knee jerk response to disagreement more and more these days which is if someone disagrees with me i hate them right well no you don't have to hate somebody who disagrees with you in fact you you can learn something from someone who disagrees with you and you know i are Noah and I shared a boss, whom we disagreed with rather regularly, as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And
2: but we learned a great deal from him. And I, you know, I would find that um, he and I also would have scheduled disagreements. And <laughs> uh, this was Alan Borovoy, who had been known as Mister Civil Liberties at, at the time. And it wasn't an unusual experience for me to go in with a very strong point of view, uh, you know, a way of explaining what I thought and why I thought that, and then stopping and listening to what he had to say. Mm. I didn't always end up agreeing with him. He did not always end up agreeing with me. And yet I think we both came to a place where we believed we had we were further ahead. Right. Uh, mm. And I think this is something that we really need to teach people living in democracies how to do. There are things well, that you need to it- say.
0: It's interesting, Danielle, because you wonder how much further we go. As you mentioned, a lot of times somebody disagree with you or basically is telling you wrong. Then we start yeah. that twisting into, what do I you mean? I'm stupid or something? I don't know, or I'm uninformed, or I'm yeah. prejudiced, or I'm closed-minded. So many things swirl in our head as That's opposed right. to, well, hold on. Maybe your viewpoint, maybe what you do know or what you think, maybe I can say something to make you see it a different way. And unfortunately, a lot of time we take it as a sign of weakness on our part. There's something wrong. If I have to say to you, "Don't, oh, gee, Danielle, you're right. I'm leaving with my tail tucked. No, you're, you're, yeah. you're leaving. Mm-hmm. Maybe more educated about a subject. Maybe you, when hearing me, have something that's really important that dawns on you or some way you can help me Learn about something and not maybe make a drastic error or have an error in judgment if we want to look at it that way. So when you suggest this, that people in democracies should be taking some kind of lessons on or, or finding that way to open our minds enough uh, when it comes to dealing with conflict and opinions like this, uh, wh- where do you think, where would you like to see us, how would you like to see us start that?
2: Well, I think the first thing that we need to say is there should be no ad hominem attacks. And that means you don't get to call people names. Right. You don't get to tell them they're bad or, um, you know, or awful or that you, you know, that you hate them. You don't, you're not attacking a person, which is what ad hominem means. You're attacking an idea. You're attacking a policy. You're attacking something that you believe is wrong in the world, Um, you're attacking a government, for example, point of view. If you say that, and I'm going to use the Israel-Palestine conflict because it is on everybody's mind right now, if you say, I do not like the way this government has behaved, you are not saying that you hate the people who live in that country. Mm. You are not saying that they are bad people. You are saying that the choices that have been made by a government, in your opinion, are wrong, are um, dangerous, and should not have been made, should be changed. That doesn't say that you hate one group of people. That doesn't say that because somebody has a personal belief you think that they are bad, but if you say that anybody who targets young children, whatever their ethnicity, whatever their religion, is doing something that is terrible and is dangerous, I think you'd have a hard argument against that. I'm not saying that one group has all the cards, that one group has all the morality, I am saying, that there are certain values that we have to share. And one of them is that children should be allowed to grow up. Um, if somebody doesn't believe that, I don't think I can have a discussion with them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that it, it, in, in my view, that is such a very basic value that we can't go anywhere if we don't share that particular value, you know, mm. that, that children are innocent and that they require food and water and, uh, and education and shelter, those are things that we that we have to be able to share. So, you know, how can we then learn how to disagree? Because if you have been watching the media for, you know, more than a moment in the past week and a bit, you will have seen some very serious, horrifying conflict. Mm. And I think we need to be able to talk about it. But I think we need to be able to talk about it without coming to blows. And I'm talking about people in Canada. I think we need to be able to talk about it worldwide so that people can start airing, what are our real issues? And we have two extremely aggrieved groups of people. We have two governments. And if you look at Hamas as a government, we can call it a government. And we look at the Israeli government and we can see that both of these governmental bodies are perpetrating horrors on the innocent populations, on on the civilians. Mm -hmm. I think that at base, we can agree that this should not happen any place in the world. Where we are going to disagree is what to do about it. Where should we go? And I think we can continue that discussion. We can talk about where we disagree as long as we agree to certain uses of language. Now, you know, there have been rallies um, in in Canada and all around the world. Some of them have been pro-Palestinian. Some of them have been pro-Israeli. Um, some of them have just been pro-innocent civilians. Right. Um, rallies are not great places for nuance. So if you want to say, well, I believe this, but I don't believe that, or I'm in favor of this policy, but I really am not in favor of that policy. A rally is a really hard place to do that. Um, and you will see that, for example, waving a flag um, is, you know, it's, it's the old waving a red flag in front of a bull. Mm-hmm. When you wave yep. a flag, um, people will automatically interpret that as having a particular meaning. Um, right.
0: You may not have meant and what the whole other group, person is it's reading. And the whole group, because it's a collective, it's a That's collective, right. yeah. wh- what you're it's suggesting. A yes or That no. individual, yeah, it's yeah. it's far more, there's no individualism.
2: That's right. So it's up to everybody to choose whether or not to attend a rally, and it is up to everybody else to choose whether or not to dispute what that rally appears to be supporting. So, you know, when we in a democratic society support freedom of expression, we are supporting the right of people to say whatever it is that they are saying. They're also running the risk of being misinterpreted. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And this is happening around the world. So you get to choose, but you don't get to choose what people think you're saying. So, in my view, it is important to allow rallies to give permission, we shouldn't need permission, but we should have the right to stand up and say whatever it is we're saying. We also have that right to say, no, I disagree with what you're saying. Mm. At no point should any of these lead to violence because that is a, that is not speech, that is action. And we have very strong laws against violent action we're not allowed to do that and for very good reason but
1: danielle well, the difficulties is that well i think is that we start with violence and then we try to pull it back and say oh but and how can that's we? not what i meant mm-hmm. yeah and mm-hmm. oh it's gone too far and and at that point you're already everyone's coming in you know armed, right? Like, uh, to kind of paint the picture. But if we were to have started from a more diplomatic or from a more, you know, discussion-based, from a uh, exactly what you're saying, like, let's set the ground rules and have a disagreement or a conversation or a discussion, um, I don't think that we would—most often, I don't think that we would get to that point of discussing then violence. But unfortunately, so much of what we know, historically up to now— and around the world, it starts at a very aggressive place to begin with.
2: Well, the, there is no question that what has been happening in the Middle East is, is all about violence. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what you do when people lead with violence, as you have just said, Ramya, is very difficult. Do we escalate that violence? Do we make it worse and worse and worse? Or is there a point at which we say, um, I'm not saying that, you win. I'm not saying that you win. I am saying we both have to stop now before more people die. Um, How is that going to work? I'm talking really about what is happening here in Canada and in other democratic countries where the, the, the actual physical violence isn't taking place. But as some people have said, you know, rallies and demonstrations could lead to violence as some people have have you know expressed this very right. strongly because daniel
0: there's a level of responsibility whatever you say whatever i say we sit here every day talking there's a level of responsibility that we have to kind of pick the right words to kind of you know give an opinion give a thought but also think about how we're saying it it's okay to be wrong but it's okay, yeah. it's it's not okay to intend to mislead, to not care. Or the areas that I find where, where the violence, where people either it's at a protest or a way of dealing with people. How do you teach? You can teach people how to speak, how to be more thoughtful, how to use the correct word. You just can't, it seems in our world, for whatever reason, teach people not to hate, not to be frightened of people or things mm-hmm. they don't understand that turns them into get rid of don't want around, yeah. harm. Well,
2: one of, one of the things, Kelly, that, that I have seen on both sides of this particular issue is people referring to the others as being non-human, mm. as saying they're animals, those people are animals, those people aren't really human. As soon as we stop recognizing the humanity in other people, we're in a very dangerous space. And I know that you've you know you've seen that, for example, with the Holocaust, where yeah. the Jews were yeah. not referred to as humans. They were referred no. to as rats, where you see people using language like that. It facilitates violence because we we have to believe that you know if something is is an infestation, then what do we do with infestation? We eradicate them, it. them, eradicate mm-hmm. them. We can't use that kind of language. We can't ban that kind of language, but what we can do is make young people particularly alert to its use. If you hear somebody referring to other humans in this way, immediately be aware that that is not valid speech, that that is not going to lead us to any place where anybody wants to be. So, you know, some people have said, what we should really be doing is criminalizing that kind of speech. We should you know, ensure that people who speak like that uh, go to jail. Well, we know from long experience, not only does that not work, it makes everything far, far worse. Yes. Now, Canada has laws against terrorism. In fact, we have enormous numbers of laws against terrorism. And as Ramiya and I talked about a while back, our big problem is, how do you define it? Exactly, You know, who's a terrorist? Well, Canada currently has listed entities. It has upwards of 80 different groups that are considered terrorist groups. And as you and I both said, Ramya, the problem with this is, of course, one person's terrorist is another person's freedom, freedom fighter. Mm-hmm. If we criminalize the acts of groups that are quite arguably performing acts of terror, I don't have much of a problem with that. But around the uh, the, the support for acts of terror, there are some very difficult to understand laws, which have to do with supporting um, these groups, uh, not just materially or financially, but in other ways that are more confusing. And so the question that I ask is, is law the right tool to use when we're trying to deal with how to speak about something? I don't think it's going to work. And if you take a look, and I have been over the last um, number of days looking at social media posts, what I can tell you is that there is misinformation, disinformation, inflammatory and hateful messaging, as well as unbelievably supportive messaging for people who are suffering. if I were to send a message of t- support to somebody that one group hates, am, am I considered to be a bad person? Mm-hmm. This is yep. incredibly difficult. Yep. Now, I know that I have had the wonderful benefit of people reaching out to me, knowing that this is a personally a very difficult time for me. I have also had the benefit of being able to reach out to people on both sides of this issue and saying, are you okay? Is your family okay? Can you tell me I if don't. there's anything we can do um, to, to help? These are personal messages and they make a difference. They, What they say is, I know we may not agree politically. I know we may not agree with policy, but I really care about you yes. and I care about your family and I want to make sure that you're safe. Mm. If we can't yeah, start there, I don't know where to start.
0: Oh, and it takes just inside your heart, the belief. If yeah. you don't have it in you, don't want, don't say anything. Just don't hurt anyone. Don't go out of your yeah. way. Danielle, as usual, yeah. thank you. A lot to think about. Thanks for kind of, especially over the last nine days, it's just been, it's been terrible. So thank you.
2: It's been terrible. Thank you very much, Kelly and Ramya.
0: Join us for Know Your Rights with Danielle McLaughlin every Monday on the. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts. Program.